You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimao of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! The Daily Music Business Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Daily Music Business Podcast, bringing you the dumb and dumbest podcast. I'm your host, Matt Bacon, with my beautiful co-host, Keith from Ghost Cult Mag. What's up, Matt? And Keith, to launch today's episode of the podcast, you actually had an extremely interesting, fun little quotation, a proverb, if you will, perhaps a parable. Um, Keith, what was this parable that we were kind of building this episode off of? I had this idea. I heard this quote this week, this story. And if I'm misquoting or not quoting someone or not giving credit, please at me at Ghost Cult Keefe and at Ghost Cult Mag and I will credit you. But I heard this thing. Do you want to chase cats or do you want cats to chase you for what you have? And I'm definitely butchering that, but in the nutshell, this reminded me so much of the music business, so much of what bands do, so much of what labels do, so much of what we do, that I had to bring it up to Matt as a topic possibility. And so basically, do you want to, you know, put out a lure? Do you want to leave a plate of milk out and hope the cats come running? Or do you want to pursue? Do you want to seek an audience, engage with an audience? Do you want to find the, you know, find them. And I was like, this is really fascinating and kind of at the crux of how bands and some labels get marketing wrong. What do you think about that, Matthew? I think you're right. And I think this is a big problem that I think a lot of people face and don't know how to unpack is that, um, you know, it's this question, you know, it's the other way that you kind of sometimes hear this said is, make the music industry come to you don't you go to it and this applies to acquiring fans but it also applies to like other shit you know it applies to like managers and stuff you know like if you're applying to a million different managers they're probably not necessarily going to want to work with you you know what i mean if you're applying you know like like the big boy managers work with people they want to work with or people who are making them thousands and thousands of dollars you know what i mean And if they're a really big boy manager, they probably dropped the guys making thousands of dollars who they hate. Um, You know, and I, and, but, you know, but if a manager comes to you and is like, look, we want to work with you on this thing and it's going to be tight, then you're getting somewhere. You know, that, that's really how I, how I perceive this, right? It's this idea of like, you know, it's this idea of like, oh, okay, let's, let's make sure that people are looking for us. People are eager for us. People are curious for what we're trying to do. You know what I mean? Because if people aren't stoked on you, it's very hard, you know, it's, it's, you can't change people, right? You can't force people to be stoked on you. You have to have enough stuff that they can kind of be organically stoked on it on their own. 
Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. And I think the other part of it is because for a long time in the old world, the music industry and the music industry experience was very passive. Bands put out content fans are seeking. There wasn't as many distractions. We didn't have all these social media apps. We didn't have all this a world of entertainment in our pockets and in our at our beck and call. So music was one of the most, you know, it, it still is important. It's hugely important in my life, but there was nothing else taking people's attention away from it for a long time. And now you, you can't just put out music and help people find you. You need to go engage your audience or engage a new audience, honestly, more than your fan base. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I think, and this is, and, and when you have this mindset shift, I think things become a lot more clear, you know, it's like why, you know, it, it's not how do we make people care? It's why should people care? You know, because like, if you can't explain why people, you know, and I see this all the time, like people will come to me and be like, Matt, how do I pitch to um, a label? And, you know, and I'll be like, okay, well, like what makes you, what makes you something that would, you know, that a label would want to sign? Um, and usually people, you know, a lot of times people don't know. And like, if you don't know why a label should sign you, a label isn't going to know why they should sign you. And by the way, I'm not saying don't pitch yourself, right? That's the other thing is like, you do still need to pitch yourself. You do need to like, let it be known that people that you're looking to work with people because I think on the flip side, everyone is a little bit, you know, people might assume like, like I've literally seen this happen where a band had a lot of stuff going on, but, but like a couple big labels just kind of assumed they had a, a, a label they were working with who they just hadn't announced yet. Interesting. You know what I mean? And so like, you always have to like put it out there that you're looking for stuff, but you also have to show like, why you are desirable and you have to understand what makes you desirable right and literally one of the best ways to do this in my experience is to write down your key selling points and then double down on them do you know what i mean excellent man um and that's my secret sauce when i pitch to labels by the way because i understand that like because here's how it works with every big label okay you have two types of labels you have labels where one guy arbitrarily makes the decisions right? Or it's like Hammond is like two friends or you have a label that's like a team. And then usually what happens is in the base camp or the yammer or whatever the group thing is, right? One guy is like, Oh, this band submitted. I think they're cool. Here's why I like them. You know what I mean? And, and that's cool too. But those people, like if you can just make it so they can copy paste the core reasons and they can, ident- they can just have the core reasons handed to them. That makes their lives super easy. And it makes it super easy for them skimming through 300 goddamn emails a day, 300 goddamn submissions from shitty bands. You know, if, you're, if your thing says, oh, we had 100,000 Spotify plays on our single and we sold 500 copies of our, of our independently released record, they're going to go, oh, okay. You know, or if you say, oh, we play this many shows or, oh, we do this well on Instagram, people will be like, oh, that's for me. Do you know what I'm saying? I do. I do. And I think you, uh, 
I think an interesting way is this is the same thing for small labels, right? Obviously, big labels have a big label machine. They have brand recognition. They might have multiple genres. They might have huge teams and a lot of sort of working levers and pulleys. Uh, I think about modern times, the Charlie Chaplin movie, right? Um, for a small label, an indie label, which you have a lot of experience at, the same thing can be said. If you're like a Scotty Heath of tank crimes and you are hustling every day and you are finding ways to engage your diehard fans and make new ones every day, you're going to sell the shit out of some records and promote a bunch of new and underground exciting bands as opposed to sitting back on your heels and hoping by posting on Facebook once a week, you're going to sell some tapes or vinyls. Yeah, and, that, and that's big. And then this is kind of ties into the other point here. When you do these things, when you double down on your selling points, people come to you. When people understand, oh, this band is cool because they're bringing, they have an opera singer fronting their, um, you know, their metal band, you know, and not just someone who likes to pretend they're an opera singer. <laughs> You know, like when you have, you know, like, oh, this band has this iconography and they like, you know, maybe they use a lot of um, kabuki iconography and they really double down and kind of share some of that. That's cool, too. You know what I mean? Um, and I really think you just need to kind of document these things and you've got to make it you've got to make it obvious for fans so that they start coming to you, you know, so that the word can spread organically so that it's fun and interesting rather than not and shooting yourself in the foot, you know? And that's the thing is like the way you get people to come to you is give people a reason to come. And so few people actually do that. You know, like the way I get people to come to me is by, making fun educational videos on bacon's bits. And then I get into conversations and I start to like get to make sales and stuff, right? The way Keith gets people to come to Ghost Cult is by creating good content, promoting the shit out of it and making it like a hub for everything you need in rock and metal, right? So, so the, the, the value is very obvious, you know? So and that makes people want to stay. If the value is not obvious, people don't want to stay. Right on. Yeah. That sounds about right. Sounds about right to me, pal. You know, and so navigating that is tricky, you know, and finding ways to add value and finding ways to make your selling points clear and finding ways to make your value clear. These are all um, complicated things that we all have to wrestle with and we all have to, you know, and it's sometimes hard as an artist you know you want to be like well i'm just good motherfucker you know but unless your name is sean lane or guthrie govin that's not really enough you know what i mean like even you know charlie parker was good obviously but the thing that made him special was like the flashiness and then like taking on a whole new angle of jazz and that's why he's a legend, right? And um, I don't know. I, I just think it's always that. It's always what is the differentiating factor? What is the thing that makes people go, oh, okay, this is for me? You know, and then when people see that differentiating factor, 
they'll be attracted to it. Ghost is obviously a great example of this, you know, tons of differentiating factors. Guar, you know, um, but again, but even if you're not necessarily a gimmicky band, you know, you you can be like goat whore and just, you know, you get people going to listen to goat whore because they're called fucking goat whore. They're like the metal, <clears throat> they're like the metalheads metal band. You know what I mean? So it's understanding what is our unique selling point. Why would that attract people? And how do we magnify the thing that attracts people? How do we magnify the magnet? Right. And then how do we get that magnet in front of the eyeballs of people so that they're coming to us? Do you understand what I'm saying? I do. It works. I'm all about it. And it's very goddamn hard. You know, like I don't want anyone to think I'm sort of trying to poo-poo this or make it, make it seem uh, easier, you know, because it's not. It's definitely a hard thing to do. Um, Black Dahlia Murder is a little bit like Goat Horror in that it's like the metalheads metal band, you know? But they, but they double down on that in a lot of great ways. You know, Trevor has the obiturist, you know, where he shouts out a million obscure death metal bands. Incredibly admirable for a guy of his, you know, for the big, second biggest American extreme metal, third biggest American extreme metal vocalist to do that, you know? Uh, they have the a million pieces of vinyl porn, you know, they have the producer who also works at metal blade. Um, you know, they're, they're you know, they, they're the metalheads metal band, you know, uh, but it's just finding the thing that you want that makes people feel special. Alestorm is another thing, you know, people come to Alestorm because they're the ultimate party band, right? Because they understand their thing and then that attracts people because they magnify the thing that attracts people. You know, Christopher Bowe is putting out, literally put out like a break core record about beans. Um, seriously, it's called Christopher Bowe's and his plate of beans. And, yes. um, and it's amazing, but it's good. It's good because like, and I'm sure Napalm put it out because it just magnifies the like silly party magic of Alestorm to people you know like I'm, I'm sure they didn't sell that many copies of that but it was like such a good little like look how fun we are it's a good example of how Chris diversifies himself because he also has Glory Hammer yeah but but even Glory Hammer Glory Hammer and Alestorm feed into each other because they're both so ridiculous and silly that they but are it's like, Oh, this one guy is both Chris from Alestorm and the Dark Wizard, Wizard of Zargothrax trying to take over the world in the futuristic year 1992. Say that five times fast. Zargothrax. The, the, the <laughs> exactly, you can't. No um, one can, but it's anyway, the point being, brilliant. What are your thoughts here, Keith? I kind of went on a rant there. I don't want to cut you off. No, it's a good it's a it's a good time to rant. I think um you know we sold this thing pretty hard, and uh, I know we came about it kind of again. Apologies to whoever came up with that original parable, but uh, I'm sorry I butchered it. But uh, I think it's something for bands and again small labels, especially the closer to the underground, the closer to DIY. The more you diversify, the more you hustle, the more you hunt, the more successful you will be. Pretty much, you know, and just show why people should be attracted to you 
and then prove it, 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 prove it. You know? That's simple. So prove it, basically, is what you're saying. There we go. Okay. This has been the Daily Music Business Podcast, as brought to you by Dumb and Dumbest. Thank you for listening. Are we done yet? Subscribe today to the Daily Music Business Podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Hi, this is Chad Nicefield. And this is Justin Press. We're the host of Making Waves, the Shiprock Podcast, a part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. We're inviting you to sail away with us on an epic journey in musical enlightenment. Every week, we bring you only the best artists in rock music and discuss everything from the cruise to the stage to the saga of being a professional recording artist. We'll have lots of special guests along the way, so tune in every week. Your stateroom is available every Monday morning, so welcome aboard.